You're listening to the Modern Vital Podcast, which explores the relationship between environmental factors and human health. Here is your host, Dr. Ben Reeves, founder of Portland Clinic of Natural Health and creator of the Modern Vital Program, a 90-day health protocol customized to each individual health journey. Stay tuned for fun, practical, and thought-provoking health tips, along with suggestions and insights into optimizing health and preventing chronic disease through integrative, naturopathic, and functional medicine approaches. Your body is unique, powerful, and intelligent. Your treatment should be too. Hi, you are listening to part two of a two-part series on EMFs, or electromagnetic fields. In part one, we talked a little bit about what EMFs are and some of the potential health effects in being exposed to EMFs. And part two, which you're listening to now, is going to go a little bit into some practical things we can do, some mitigation strategies to limit our exposure and avoid EMFs. Thank you. It's long been kind of accepted and acknowledged that ionizing forms of radiation, um, you know, can affect our health, you know, short term and long term. So, for example, we know that UV radiation, certain UV radiation from the sun, if we're outside too long, we can get a sunburn. You know, if we get too many sunburns, you know, we can potentially get skin cancer down the road. We're warned against getting too many x-rays, you know, because they're not healthy. And when you when you do go get an x-ray, you usually have to wear a special kind of, I think it's probably a leaded apron in order to protect all the parts of your body, except that one part that's being x-rayed. And that's because those are ionizing forms of radiation. And we know that they are, um, you know, can have some pretty serious health effects. What was long believed is that non-ionizing forms of radiation and all of those, you know, these common types of EMF pollution that I just talked about, you know, your AC electric and magnetic fields, that wireless radiation, dirty electricity are all forms of non-ionizing radiation. And for a long time, it was believed, and it still is by some, that non-ionizing radiation was harmless, you know, unless it had enough energy or enough power to like actually heat body tissue. And what research is showing is that that's not the case, that non-ionizing radiation actually, you know, can have effects, um, you know, on our bodies well below, you know, what are called those heating levels. And so they can cause actual like biological and physiological changes within our bodies down to the cellular level. And they can also, you know, kind of over time with extended exposure lead to unpleasant health symptoms and some pretty serious diseases like down the line. Like what can I do now to protect myself and my family from this? Well, I think, you know, I think one of the first things is just, you know, awareness you know, I think people understanding that, wow, okay, these devices that I'm using every day, you know, do have kind of this invisible, you know, force, you know, and being aware of, you know, what are the different types of EMF pollution? What are kind of common sources of those in our everyday environment can be a first step in kind of understanding, all right, you know, lay a foundation for what to do next. It is possible for us, you know, to once we are sort of familiar with the different kinds of EMF pollution, if you want to know what your exposures are kind of in those spaces where you spend the most time, you can actually take measurements Um, Different types of EMF require different measurement tools, but with these different measurement tools, you can actually find out what your exposures are, whether it be to wireless radiation, to dirty electricity. And then if they're higher than is desirable, which 
in most cases these days without, if you do no mitigation efforts, it's really common to have levels that are higher than is desirable in most homes, for example. Um, then there are, you know, a number of different kind of steps that people can take to reduce their exposures. And there's sort of along those lines, some, some general um, guidelines, you know, in terms of, you know, there's very, there's a lot of very specific steps you can take, but there's also some kind of like overarching guiding principles in terms of when you're thinking about reducing your exposures. You know, like we said, the first thing is just learn to recognize, you know, and, and measure the sources if you want to measure them, but at least learn to recognize the sources. And then obviously, you know, the overarching idea is to the extent you can, you know, minimize your use of EMF generating technology. So that can, you know, involve a number of things. You can, you know, get rid of certain sources altogether. If there's things that you really don't use that you can really live without, then maybe get rid of them, you know, live without them. Um, there's lots of things that you can do to kind of replace EMF sources with alternatives that don't produce as much like, you know, EMF or EMR. So some specific examples of that. And one of the, one of the big ones is, you know, when it comes to, you know, wireless or RF radiation for sure is like wired solutions are almost always better than wireless solutions in terms of your exposure. So when you're thinking about talking on the telephone, you know, trying to think about, well, okay, in the places where I'm stationary for long periods of time, like maybe at home or in my office, trying to use a corded landline telephone rather than a cell phone or a cordless phone. I know we're all kind of attached to our cell phones and it's not like, you know, I'm not saying like, don't have one. I'm saying like, try and think about how you use it. And if you're in spaces where you don't have to have a cell phone and you could forward your cell phone to a landline, then try and use a corded landline telephone to have those long conversations. Um, same with, you know, internet, you know, or, you know, computer time, trying to use a, you know, a wired internet solution, you know, ethernet solution, rather than using Wi-Fi or WiMAX, you know, just because that is really going to help contain your exposures. And we also understand it's like, okay, not everybody can move directly to a wired, you know, internet solution right away. We all know that when we're out and about, you know, we like to have our cell phones. So they're also, you know, moving to the next thing is the idea of, you know, maximizing when you are using, you know, say a wireless device, you know, trying to maximize the space between you and that device. So there's ways you can do that. For example, let's just take a cell phone, for example, you know, using it in speaker mode rather than holding it right up to your head is a great example or using like a, a um, air tube headset, you know, again, using an air tube headset rather than having the phone against your head is at least going to give a little bit of space between your head and that signal. And the more space, you know, between you and the source of the EMF, the better, because with any source of EMF, the strength of the emissions are going to decrease, you know, as you move away from the source. So the more distance you can give yourself between yourself and a source, you know, the, the lower your exposure is going to be. That said, you know, wired solutions are always better than wireless solutions. Things like limiting the amount of time that you spend on devices. So you might have, you know, all kinds of devices you use, but trying to like be mindful of how much time you spend on them. And when you're not using them, you know, turning them off and unplugging them, 
you know, that can go a long way in reducing, you know, both your, I would say your extremely low frequency, like your power frequency fields, your dirty electricity, as well as, you know, any Wi-Fi fields and, and, you know, by unplugging things when you're not using them. And people sometimes get, because, you know, this is very broad stroke ideas, you know, within each of these categories, there's so many, um, you know, uh, specific things that you can do is so many that sometimes I think it can feel overwhelming to people, the idea of like, oh, my gosh, how am I ever going to do this? And so sometimes we say, you know, start small, you know, start small with a couple things that you know, you can do and then begin to build on them. And one place to really start is, you know, I sometimes suggest for people when they're feeling overwhelmed is like, start in your sleeping area, you know, really solid sleep, is so important to health. You know, it's so important to, you know, all we do so much important repair work and rejuvenation work at night that if you can really protect your sleep environment, that's a great place to start. So it can, that can, you know, involve everything from just trying to, to, you know, get all of the electronics and electrical things off of your bedside tables, you know, so try and have a battery operated alarm clock rather than, you know, one of the clocks that plugs into the walls. Clocks that plug into the wall can be like a high source of magnetic fields. So keeping them away from your bedside table is a really good idea using a battery operated model. Don't charge your cell phone, you know, on your, on your bedside table. In fact, you know, don't have your cell phone in the room if you can help it or have it in airplane mode. So you can still, if you need it as an alarm clock, you can have it as alarm clock, but have all of the Wi-Fi, you know, and, and, and wireless signals off. So, you know, your Bluetooth, your Wi-Fi, and just the regular cell signal, have it all off, you know, while you're sleeping. You know, um, no cords or extension lines running under, you know, under your bed. Um, there's just a lot of different things that you can do to kind of help limit your exposures at night so that you are getting, you know, the best sleep possible. One of the effects, um, you know, at a biological level of EMFs is they tend to decrease melatonin production. And so melatonin is an important hormone, um, you know, to help regulate our sleep patterns. And it's also actually a pretty potent antioxidant. It has some pretty important immuno immunological um, effects in the body and helping fight free radicals and, and things like that. So, um, you know, the more that we can, you know, at nighttime, you know, lots of people say, you know, turn off your screens, you know, an hour or two before bed, so you're not exposed to that blue light, which can affect your melatonin production, not have things running at night that can affect it so that you get a good night's sleep. So there's lots of, you know, lots of little things and big things that you can do. And sometimes it helps to start small, like in, in one area, your sleeping area, and kind of build over time until you feel like, you know, until you've created a, a situation where you're able to reduce as much of that exposure as you can. Yeah. One of the places my family and I started was just turning our Wi-Fi router off at night. And um, I swear I can feel it. Um, and I even know when we've accidentally left it on, I'll just, I won't sleep quite as deeply. And it's, I know some people can't feel it, but it certainly makes an impact on my sleep. Yeah. And it's like, you know, all of our teenagers, they like to have those phones all the time. They, you know, like they sleep with them under their pillows and it's like, I'm saying like, nope, <laughs> no, po no phones under the pillows. You know, same thing. Like, again, that idea of distance, you know, the farther away. So, you know, lots of times people just throw their, you know, their phone in their, their pocket, you know, either their pants pocket, their breast pocket. Some women put them in their bra, you know, you know, we always say, turn it off, put it in airplane mode. If you're going to carry it anywhere in your body and it's best just to not carry it on your body and to, you know, to have it off, off mode when you're not actually actively using it. And it does require some habit change, but it can be worth it in terms of lowering your exposures. 
I, I had a patient who was about uh, 10 years old and was diagnosed with autism, I think, when he was four or five. Um, and he was falling asleep every night with basically the equivalent of a cell phone. And so I had his mother remove the cell phone from his room at night. And within a few months, his autism significantly improved. It's remarkable. Yeah. And I've actually heard that particular story, you know, with autism a lot. And that brings up an interesting point, because I think one of the other assumptions, you know, about EMFs is, oh, they, you know, they affect everybody the same way or to the same degree. And actually, you know, they're, that's not true. You know, different people can be affected differently. And there can be a variety of factors that can affect that, you know, everything from just the amount of your exposure to certain genetic factors to your age and stage of development, um, you know, any underlying health conditions, you know, if you have underlying health problems, sometimes that can lead to electromagnetic hypersensitivity. In the case of my, my husband, for example, we found out later that he had chronic Lyme's disease. And oftentimes people with chronic Lyme's develop, you know, um, sensitivities, both multiple chemical sensitivities and EMF sensitivity. You know, their immune system may already be, you know, kind of lowered a little bit, and then they, they become sensitive to environmental toxins. So, but you brought up children, and I think that's a really good point because one of the things that one of the groups of people that tend to be more vulnerable is children to EMF. You know, research shows that their their bodies and their brains actually absorb more EMF energy than adults, probably because they have higher water content, their bones are softer, there's some other issues. And so, um, you know, we're, we're sort of in a situation now where children are exposed, you know, from the time, you know, they're in their, you know, their fetuses in their mother's womb now all the way through their lifetime. And so the amount of exposure, you know, for kids these days is high. And because they do absorb more EMF, there's a lot of concern and research showing developmental effects, you know, all kinds of things, you know, connections with ADHD, connections with autism, connections um, just with, you know, speech delays, other kinds of delays, as well as the types of, you know, health, you know, problems that we see amongst adults as well. And there's a long list of those. Yeah, and it's just incredible. The uh, I know there's very limited research out there, but the research that's showing there's a connection between the blood-brain barrier and also leaky gut or intestinal permeability and uh, the impact that EMFs can have on those uh, endothelial tissues, those um, basically causing that um, permeability to be um, higher. Um, it's an incredible area of research. It is. I mean, it's it's sort of interesting when you start look, like kind of diving into um, some of the things that can happen sort of like at that level in our body, the cellular level, you know, there's, there's things like, you know, it's been shown in lab studies that exposure to EMF could cause DNA damage. So it can cause both single and double, you know, strand breaks, um, you know, increased rates of micronuclei, um, in the body, both of which, you know, those strand breaks, if they're not corrected by the body, our body is pretty good at being able to fix, you know, a lot of the problems that happen during cell division, but, um, there's a limit, you know, to what they can do. And with all of this extra EMF exposure, you know, and, and more DNA damage, you end up with either cell death, you know, or, you know, or permanent genetic mutations, you know, and those mutations, you know, you know, mutations in general seem to be one of the beginning places, you know, the development of cancers. And I know that micronuclei, just the presence of them, you know, that there's such a strong association between those fragments kind of of DNA with no known purpose and, you know, cancer that sometimes it's even used as a diagnostic tool, you know, in cancer. So the other thing, you know, one of the other things is that the, um, 
EMF seems to trigger the cellular stress response in our bodies so that uh, basically, you know, our bodies recognize EMF as a potential harmful substance. And so that triggers, you know, the production of stress proteins to kind of deal with that potential harmful event, which that's what our cells do. We have, we have a response where we, you know, our cells are set up to kind of help protect themselves against potential, um, you know, either pathogens or toxins. And so that initial kind of response is a good one. You know, it indicates that the cells do recognize EMF as being a harmful agent and they respond. What research is showing though, is that because we are exposed um, you know, our, our exposure these days is chronic, that if you expose cells to EMF over too long a period, that it can actually reduce the production of stress protein in cells, which then makes us more vulnerable, you know, to illness and disease. So there's all these things that can happen kind of at a cellular level. I mean, we can get, there's been interesting work by Martin Paul and others that look at, um, that, EMF seems to activate uh, our voltage, uh, our cal, our um, I always it's voltage gated calcium channels. So when they get activated, you know, then you have this influx of calcium into the cells, and it's too much, which can then lead, you know, downstream to things like oxidative stress and inflammation. Well, we know that oxidative stress and inflammation are kind of associated with a whole range of serious diseases, from you know, cancer, Alzheimer's, all kinds of things. And so, you know, there's, you know, people say, you know, in some ways, the research into EMFs is kind of in its younger phase. But most people who are, you know, actually researching this, you know, doctors and scientists who are looking very carefully at this, think that there is already, you know, a lot and enough evidence to suggest that we need to really take a close look at our current safety standards, you know, exposure limits, and that they need to be changed because the current safety standards are based on a number of assumptions that are not true. One of them being that there's no effects below that heating effect. And research is showing, no, there are actually all of these biological effects, you know, that happen way below um, you know, current safety thresholds, and that some of the de- disease states, you know, that we're seeing in epidemiological studies that look at kind of over time, we're seeing associations between EMF and things, lots of different cancers, Alzheimer's, ALS, you know, lots of different heart issues, heart palpitations, arrhythmias, even cardi- you know, sudden cardiac deaths. So there's just a lot of connections. And while there, there needs to be more research done over time, there's already a lot of research to suggest that we definitely need standards that are more protective. And we can hope that those more protective standards would drive safer products. You know, we have the ability to create products that are less emissive and, you know, better safety standards would help push that process. Yeah, it's just mind-boggling uh, to think about uh, like the SAR or SAR, the specific absorption rate, and how holding a cell phone to my ear is going to multiply the, by four uh, the safety profile of that particular cell phone. I know that Nick Penault and others have talked about this, and, and you've talked about this. Um, it's just mind-boggling to think that if I'm holding a cell phone to my head, it's four times the level of safety. Um, this just doesn't make sense. Right. 
<laughs> and we see I mean, one of one of the cancers. I mean, one of the things in terms of cancer incidences, we're seeing, you know, these certain types of brain cancers have become more common, you know, gliomas, salivary glands, all of these things that sort of are connected with, if you look at how you, you know, where people would hold a cell phone to their head, that's where a lot of these tumors are showing up. So, you know, it, it doesn't seem too mysterious. <laughs> well, it's interesting to bring up SAR ratings because you know, people say, well, SAR ratings are often, you know, based on like the model is, you know, a 200 pound military man you know, and that's what our safety, you know, thresholds. And again, it's based on heating of tissue. It doesn't look at any of the non-ionizing effects, nor does it look at, well, what about a child's head, you know, or a, a smaller person's head? You know, there's just, there's lots of issues around standards and the testing of current devices that uh, need to be changed to be more protective of our health. Well, Kim, I, um, I have my Greenway filter here and I've got, um, a tri-field meter here. Um, I know I'm not really supposed to plug your products, but they're just amazing. And I have them in my office. I have them in my home. And I really noticed a difference once I put them, you know, throughout both buildings. Um, it's, it's remarkable. Well, good. I'm so glad that they're, they're working out for you. Yeah. We've, we, it's funny. We got our start, showed the filter. We got our start with kind of a focus on dirty electricity, which is just one type of EMF pollution. But it, you know, it has quickly become apparent to us that there's just lots of education needed kind of, you know, around all types of EMF pollution, helping people understand like different ways, you know, to mitigate different types. So the filters are great for dirty electricity. And then there's other things that you can do to help reduce like, you know, your radio frequency um, exposures, as well as some of the ELF exposures from just regular electricity. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I know we went over time. We have a lot more to talk about. Um, how can people learn more about you, reach out to you, and then also you know, find, find out more about GreenWave products? Yeah, so they can just visit our web website, greenwavefilters.com. We've got lots of information there. And then there, our contact information is there as well. So people are always uh, welcome to call. We're happy to answer questions over the phone or shoot an email. Yeah, we, we love questions. You know, I think building, raising awareness is, is something key right now in this area. Well, thanks so much, Kim, for taking time out of your day to join us. Thank you so much. Well, that concludes this episode of the Modern Vital Podcast. We would love to hear from you. We value your feedback. If you have any questions or suggestions, please reach out to me at ben at modernvital.com. Also, please leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode. And we look forward to having you join us next week for another exciting episode of the Modern Vital Podcast.